part two chapter seven and eight of perkins the faker a travesty on reincarnation by edward s van zyle this librivox recording is in the public domain how chopin came to remsen chapter seven a preliminary canter so comes at last the answer from the vast maurice thompson do you really intend to go tom but suppose dear you don't feel like playing what will happen then do be sensible old fellow and stay home with me you always shunned notoriety and now you go in search of it what is the matter with you tom you haven't been frank at all with me since 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 when my dear asked my husband smiling at me kindly over his demi-tasse since you played that duet with signora molatti in the music-room i answered ashamed of the feeling of jealousy that i had nourished for several days as i gazed at tom's honest face the absurdity of the accusation that i had brought against him in this undirect way forced itself upon me my husband at that moment struck me as the least flirtatious-looking man i had ever seen but facts are stubborn things i had good reason to believe that tom had accompanied a famous violinist not only in our music-room but in the signorina's own drawing-room it is astonishing how quickly a suspicious wife develops into a female sherlock holmes i plead guilty to the indictment said tom presently lighting a cigar suppose we go into the library winifred we can have a quiet half-hour at least before we start i derived both pleasure and pain from this suggestion it was satisfactory to find tom more inclined to be companionable than he had been for nearly a week on the other hand i was disappointed at discovering that his determination to attend the meeting of the chopin society remained unshaken that any further protest from me would be futile i fully realized and it was with the feeling of apprehension and disquietude that i seated myself in the library and watched tom as he dreamily blew smoke into the air seemingly forgetful of my presence after a time he began to speak more like a poet soliloquizing than an unimaginative lawyer addressing his wife it was a strangely vivid vision i have had dreams that were like reality but none that approached this one in intensity i passed first through a doorway that led into old picturesque crumbling cloisters forming a quadrangle stretching away from these cloisters ran long corridors with vaulted roofs down one of the corridors i hurried toward a light that seemed to come through a rose window intensifying the grim darkness surrounding me it was bitterly cold the chill of death seemed to clutch at my heart and always i heard the sound of mournful voices through the resounding galleries tom i cried shocked by the queer gleam in his eyes but he went on as if he had not heard me there were other noises some harsh others majestically musical there came to me the mighty roaring of a storm-swept sea beating against a rocky shore the wind sobbed and thundered and whistled and fell away then i could hear the plaintive notes of sea-birds outside the stone walls of the monastery but always it was the chill dampness that appalled me i was forever hurrying toward the rose window where warmth and love and joy awaited me but always it fled before me and the long black corridor lay between me and my goal it was horrible what had you been doing tom i asked in a desperate effort to recall him to his present environment had you been eating a welsh rabbit at the club he gazed at me defiantly no he said gloomily 
i had been playing chopin with signorina moletti by an effort of will i restrained the words that rushed to my lips and asked quietly and which of his works had you been playing i don't know he answered wearily i think the signorina said our last rendition was number one of opus forty whatever that may mean tom glanced at me sheepishly for all the world like a mischievous schoolboy who has been forced to make a confession my mind was hard at work trying to recall the details of my recent researches into the life of chopin to refresh my memory i opened a book that lay among other lives of the master on the library table number one of opus forty i presently found myself reading aloud is in a major and is throughout an intensely martial composition there is a spirit of victory and conquest about it the most remarkable circumstances attached to it seems to lie in the fact that it is supposed to have been written during chopin's sojourn at the carthusian monastery on the island of majorca with george sand bitterly did i regret my indiscreet quotation tom had turned white and there had come into his eyes an appealing despairing expression that reminded me of a deer i had once seen brought to bay in the adirondack forest mrs van corlear announced the butler at the door of the library and mrs jack who had the run of the house came toward us gaily and how is our boy of wonder this evening she cried laughingly i'm backing tom remsen for the great chopin handicap to-night are you quite fit tom do i get a run for my money how easy it is for our most intimate friends to take our troubles lightly although i realized that underlying mrs jack's levity was a kindly motive a desire to carry off an awkward situation with the least possible friction i could not help feeling annoyed at her flippant words grateful as i was to her for her loyal interest in my peculiar affliction it was unpleasant to feel that mrs jack was treating as a light comedy what seemed to me to involve all the elements of a tragedy there was nothing farcical surely in tom's appearance as he stood there pale silent smiling perfunctorily at our guest every inch a modern gentleman but strangely like the agonist of some classic drama the rebellious but impotent plaything of vindictive gods come let us go i cried nervously anxious to put an end to a most uncomfortable situation do you really feel up to it tom there is still time to back out of it you know a solo before a crowd is much more trying than a duet in private i had not intended to hurt tom's feelings but my words had displayed a plentiful lack of tact and the worst of it was that mrs jack seemed to be in a diabolical mood for she at once jumped at the chance to make mischief i have heard of your fondness for duets tom she remarked and i was reminded of the soft purring of a cat preparing to pounce on a helpless mouse what a delight it must be to signorina molatti to find an interpreter of chopin worthy of her fiddle you find her a very interesting personality do you not tom stopped short we were slowly making our exit from the library and gazed at mrs jack with a puzzled expression in his eyes signorina molatti he queried musingly what do i think of her i really don't know i never considered the question before she's merely a part of the music not an individual don't you see suddenly his face changed and he put his hand to his brow as if a sharp pain had tormented him wait a moment don't go he implored us in a laboured unnatural voice what does it all mean tell me what am i doing i can't play chopin i can't play anything have i been hypnotized 
i tell you winifred mrs jack tis all a mistake a mystery an uncanny hideous bedevilment it's demoniac possession or something of that kind and what'll the chopin society think if i make a horrible flunk at this moment i don't feel as if i could play a note come into the music-room he ended a touch of wildness in his voice and manner mrs jack and i followed him silently there was in tom's way of hurrying across the drawing-room a mingling of eagerness and dread that was wholly uncharacteristic of the man as he hastened feverishly toward the piano a hectic flush on his cheeks and his eyes aglow he reminded me of a youth i had seen at monte carlo staking his whole fortune on a turn of the roulette wheel for a time tom sat at the instrument his head bowed low and his hands hanging listlessly at his side mrs jack's arm was round my waist and i could hear her deep hurried breathing and feel the nervous tremor of her slender well-knit form it was indeed a most trying crisis that could disturb the poise of the athletic woman beside me he doesn't connect she whispered to me presently i wish dr woodruff were here but mrs jack had spoken prematurely suddenly tom's hands were raised and he struck the opening chords of chopin's scherzo in b minor opus twenty the fury of the following measures he rendered with stunning effect then the vigor of the rushing quaver figure lessened gradually and at the repeat tom sprang erect and turned toward us an expression of weird ecstasy on his face it's all right girls he cried with a boyish lack of dignity come on we're late as it is i'll show those chopin people something they'll never forget come on he's fit whispered mrs jack to me it wasn't much of a preliminary canter but he's in the running fast enough chapter eight the chopin society in this dark world where now i stay i scarce can see myself the radiant soul shines on my way as my fair guiding elf victor hugo molatti was a marvel of beauty that evening great as was my prejudice against the girl i was forced to admit to myself as we entered the crowded rooms of the chopin society that i had never seen a handsomer creature nor one more radiant with the joy of life the glory of youth the fire of genius were in her eyes there were many striking faces in evidence that evening faces full of the subtle charm that the worship of music frequently begets ugly faces alight with an inward glow symmetrical faces whose regularity was not insipid plebeian faces stamped by an acquired distinction patrician faces warmed by an aesthetic enthusiasm faces that told their story of struggle and defeat and others that bore the mysterious imprint of success but there was only one countenance in all that picturesque throng to which my gaze constantly returned paying unwilling homage to a fascination against which i vainly rebelled i found it difficult to believe that tom had never noticed the signorina's wonderful beauty of face and form that he had always considered her as he had said merely a part of music mrs jack who had been watching me closely seemed to read my mind for she whispered to me teasingly tom'll sit up and take notice to-night don't you think she's well groomed and shows blood doesn't she from mrs jack van corlear this was high praise indeed and molatti deserved it 
the studied simplicity of her low-cut black gown relieved by a small cluster of diamonds below the neck harmonized with the quiet arrangement of her luxuriant dark hair seemingly held in place by a miniature aigrette of small diamonds the marmorial rightness of her perfect neck and firm well-rounded arms was emphasized by a sharp contrast of colour there was none save for the slight flush of health in her cheeks and the rich red line of her strong sensitive mouth i glanced at tom who stood not far from me listening to the words of the president of the society a short slender nervous-looking man whose mobile countenance at that moment suggested the joy of a lion-hunter who has achieved unexpectedly a difficult feat tom was pale and there was a wrinkle in his brow just between the eyes that assured me he was not completely at ease but he seemed to be wholly indifferent to the presence of signorina molatti that he had not glanced at her since our entrance to the hall i felt quite sure was tom really a great actor it was a question that was constantly recurring to me despite the weight of evidence against an affirmative answer presently tom returned to my side and mrs jack deliberately stuck a pin into him or rather us is music antagonistic to manners tom remsen go over and speak to signorina molatti it is your duty sir and my pleasure mrs jack said tom with a smile that recalled his former self my tom of the ante chopin days he left us at once to make his way through the crowd to molatti's corner i take it madam that that is your husband remarked a deep low carefully modulated voice i turned to find dr emerson woodruff beside me he doesn't look musical no but he is mrs jack put in hastily we've heard him play to-night doctor he's good for any distance with something to spare mark my word sir have you reached any conclusion about the case dr woodruff i whispered nervously mrs van corlear is right he was in splendid form just before we left home he seemed to be delighted at the prospect of astonishing these people but he had had a curious outbreak he had remarked rather wildly that he was not a musician couldn't play a note and was he believed suffering from demoniac possession i saw that my statement had made a deep impression on the psychologist his face was very grave as he watched tom who stood beside molatti evidently conversing with her with more vivacity than i had ever seen him display before he's a phlegmatic well-balanced man in perfect health muttered the doctor musingly i am inclined to think he went on addressing me directly that your husband's case madam is the most remarkable that has ever come under my personal observation i am very anxious to hear and see him play before saying anything further about it you feel sure that he intends to perform to-night before i could answer this question i found myself beset by the fussy little president of the society who appeared to believe that he owed me a great debt of gratitude i tried to thank mr remsen for coming here to our so great joy but he referred me to you madam oh how much i owe you and it is so charming to find the wife of a man of genius wholly in sympathy with his career it is not always thus you know mrs remsen i could feel the internal laughter that i knew mrs jack was suppressing behind me i longed to turn round and glare at her but i was forced to smile down into the excited face of the chopin enthusiast who ex officio was my host for the evening i trust you will not find mr remsen a great disappointment i managed to say weakly 
for an instant a hot almost irresistible inclination stung me to tell this overwrought undersized bundle of nerves the plain truth to assure him that tom remsen my husband couldn't tell a nocturne from a negro lullaby and that he was as ignorant of music as i was of law i am sure commented the president politely that no disappointment awaits us rather a great and holy joy but i regret that our pleasure must be deferred for a few moments won't you and your friends find seats please i have prepared at the request of the society a short paper on the personality of chopin it will take not more than ten minutes for me to read it after that mrs remsen we are to have a most wonderful duet from signorina mollati and mr remsen the little man disappeared and i was glad to rest myself in the chair that dr woodruff had found for me i turned toward mrs jack who had seated herself beside me she saw the gleam of annoyance in my eyes as they met hers but smiled sweetly why are you angry with me my dear she whispered am i responsible if nature granted me a sense of humour you must acknowledge that the situation is amusing even if it is a bit uncanny tom had seated himself beside molatti to listen to the president's essay presently i found myself hearkening with almost feverish interest to the latter i have thought it well my friends the president was saying to confine my remarks this evening to chopin in his great general relations to the world i shall endeavour to draw a picture of the man rather than of the musician and first of all let me quote from liszt in regard to the master's appearance i glanced at tom he sat motionless almost rigid with a face so lacking in expression that it was hard to believe he had caught the significance of the speaker's words the ensemble of his person quoted the president was harmonious and called for no special comment his eye was more spiritual than dreamy his bland smile never writhed into bitterness the transparent delicacy of his complexion pleased the eye his fair hair was soft and silky his nose slightly aquiline his bearing so distinguished and his manner stamped with so much of high breeding that involuntarily he was always treated en prince he was generally gay his caustic spirit caught the ridiculous rapidly and far below the surface at which it usually strikes the eye his gaiety was so much the more piquant because he always restrained it within the bounds of good taste holding at a distance all that might tend to wound the most fastidious delicacy to this quotation the president added a few words from orlowski chopin is full of health and vigour all the frenchwomen dote on him and all the men are jealous of him in a word he is the fashion and we shall no doubt shortly have gloves a la chopin the president paused and i saw with consternation that he was glaring at my husband the cause of this interruption was apparent at once as i shifted my gaze tom was rocking back and forth in his chair shaking with laughter his effort to keep his merriment in check to restrain the loud guffaws that seemed to rack his very frame was painfully in evidence there was something almost heroic in his endeavour to repress an outbreak that would have been brutally rude tom had become the centre of all eyes through the president's lack of tact what's the matter with him whispered mrs jack hysterically i don't know i answered lamely he's had a funny thought is he better i had turned away from him he's growing worse i think answered mrs jack despondently 
why doesn't the president go on there it's all right he's quiet now mrs jack spoke truly the president had resumed his lecture and i turned and saw that tom was no longer swaying with mirth how did it happen i murmured in mrs jack's ear i'm not sure she whispered but i think malady touched his hand oh isn't it weird i can't help feeling it's like breaking a colt End of chapter 7 and 8